Welcome to the Ian Bowsfield Experience. I'm glad you're here. This series of podcasts are just things that come up in my mind when I'm thinking about playing, when I'm thinking about teaching, and general thoughts about music. There are some things here that I hope you'll find really useful. And don't forget, if you've got any comments or if there's anything you want to discuss further, go to ianbowsfield.com. I'm uh, sitting here in the Getson factory with um, two people who bear that name. I'm with Brett and Adam Getson. And before we go any further, I'd like to really make it very clear that um, this podcast is not brought to you by the, the uh, Getson Corporation. <laughs> um, it's not an advert for Getson, although um, I do play Getson, and my um, history um, with the Getson instruments goes right back to I think 1971 when my first teacher in in school played a um, Getson Eterna Cornet in fact he still does and uh, uh, a man called Graham Walker who was a wonderful player and still uses the instrument and he was a huge inspiration to me I loved his instrument he's one of those with the with the funny curly round tubing bits underneath was all I knew when I was seven and I really wanted one day to play a Getson trombone so Actually, it's a bit of a dream come true for me. I feel a, a great connection to the to the company, and uh, I value very highly that it's still a family business. And I thought it might be quite interesting for you to get to know a little bit about um, this company, how it's come to this point, and to get to meet Brett and Adam in many ways, the invisible faces behind this uh, this this product. So, Brett, Adam. Welcome. Thank you very much. It's a Thank pleasure. Um, so, could I start maybe, Brett, could you tell us a bit about um, the family origins in Germany? Whereabouts does the, the name come from? Uh, the, when the family first came over here, the name was actually Gietzen and not Gietzen. Actually, it was von Gietzen when they first immigrated. And it was decided that that sounded a little too German. <laughs> So when they first got here, they dropped the Vaughn and went with just Geetzen. Yeah. Uh, the family ended up landing in southern Michigan. And at some point, the second generation and the first generation decided they didn't really get along that well. And the sons all dropped the I of Geetzen and okay. went with just Getzen. Okay. At that point, our, that was our great-grandfather. He ended up leaving and... Somehow, I'm not exactly sure on the history, got tied in with Frank Holton. Okay. I started working at the Holton factory here okay. in Elkhorn. Was there a history of, of brass making in the family in Germany, or did it start here? I don't know. It started here. It started and in fact, here. at one point, after Tony, our great-grandfather, started working at Holton, he had worked his way up to being the plant manager. Mm-hmm. And at one point, he was the plant manager at the Holton company. One of his brothers was a plant manager at Wurlitzer, and another brother was a plant manager at York, all at the same time, wow. the three brothers. I think it's important to point out um, we're sitting in a place called Elkhorn at the moment, and just down the road was, is the old Holton factory. How many brass factories, Adam, were there in the area? Uh, well, Martin was in Kenosha. Martin. LeBlanc wow. was over there too, I believe. Yep. So, you know, it's forges in Wisconsin. Yes. It's a bit like yeah. how Elkhart is now yeah. which is funny too Elkhart Elkhorn we yeah. hear that all the time oh you yeah. guys are in Elkhart yeah, yeah right so. yeah. yeah yeah people confuse that a lot <coughs> yeah yeah so so Tony he was the first one to start yeah he worked at the 
Holton Company until 1937. Yeah. And like I said, he worked his way up to plant manager. He had some personal issues, decided to take some time off. And in that time, he decided to go out and hang up his own shingle and start the Getson Company. Mm-hmm. The family home was here in Elkhorn. It's still there, actually. Mm-hmm. And they converted an old horse barn behind the house into the first Getson Company. Right. And in fact, the story goes from our grandfather, the first 20 years or so that they were in business, they used straw that was left over from in the barn, in the hayloft of the barn, as packing material when they shipped instruments. <laughs> and and I don't know, at that time, was Getson one of the premium no. instrument makers? In or? fact, I think they started doing repair stuff. Yeah, yeah originally it was a repair house yeah. mm-hmm. and didn't start producing horns till after World War II. Uh, okay. They had started laying the groundwork before the war. Mm. Um, and then, of course, war breaking out. There was yeah. no labor to be had and no materials to use. Right. So it was yeah. probably about 1946 the first trombones were produced. Right, okay. So so was, so the trombone has always been very important to get some right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, interesting. Yeah, and then 46, the first trombones came out, and then it was... Late '47 and into '48, trumpets, cornets, mm-hmm. and then bugles and marching brass followed yeah. shortly after that. Yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of the reputation of the company has been based largely, or was up to a certain point, based on the trumpets and the cornets. Mm-hmm. In fact, only a couple of weeks ago, a, a Belgian uh, professional player from Belgian brass said, uh, "Hey, do they still make trumpets? My first professional instrument was a Getson. I really liked it. It was mm-hmm. a bit too small, you know, mm-hmm. but." In the end, so I went on to something else. So, you know, that, that reputation was, was already there. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of that was cemented in the 60s when Doc Severinsen joined the company ah, and they right. started making a Doc Severinsen model. Yeah. Yeah. At that time, it was the best-selling professional model trumpet in the world. They actually had to build a second factory just to keep up with demand for the original 900 to turn a Doc wow. Severinsen wow. trumpet. So for a lot of people, at that time and since, Getson is a trumpet company first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. In all honesty, though, trombones are probably what we're more, more known for around the world. Yeah, yeah. And when did the when did this factory get started here? So, in my, our grandfather, Bob Getson, worked at the Getson Company. He, there's a long tradition of except for us yeah. of fathers and sons not getting along. He finally was tired of working for his father and left the Gensen Company and started Allied Music, which was a wholesale repair house for band instruments at yeah. this location. That was in 1959. Okay. And Wait. shortly thereafter, our great-grandfather then ended up selling the Getson Company to a man by the name of Harold Knowlton in 1960. Uh, and the two sort of operated yeah. in the same area next to each other, helped each other out in some cases, and grew... Yeah. And missing a part of that is that Tony, our great grandfather, would not sell the company to his son. Yeah, at that he, point he, he, he did had, not. He did not believe that they could do it. He had three sons. <laughs> yeah. One of them did not get saw the youngest saw the headaches that it caused between father and son with the other two, yeah. and decided to become a lawyer. And the other two sons worked there. Bob being the he was vice president of production, and then his brother Don gets it was vice president mm-hmm. of sales. And when Tony decided that he wanted to sell, they went to him with a plan for them to buy it out. And in his head, they were just the kids that couldn't run it. So 
he ended up selling it to someone else. Sounds quite typical. Yeah. Mm. And, and as kids, did you you both play brass instruments? Was that sort of like you had no choice? You're going to play a brass instrument? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's point kind of point of pride when you're sitting in the band room with a horn that has your name on it. Yeah. That's um, pretty cool. yeah. And so, like, I had fun playing trumpet. I enjoyed like the pep band and even the marching stuff was fun. Yeah. Um, and then I started working here, and it was like, oh, uh, I'm going to have a bigger impact working in the factory than I ever would being a player. Yeah. And so I, that kind of disillusioned yeah. me on playing instruments. And now it's a shame because we make really cool stuff, and I can't play any of it. So. <laughs> yeah, when I was a kid going, getting to the age of starting band in school, I decided I want to play saxophone. I thought that you know, mm-hmm. looked pretty cool. And... Our father came home one day with a ratty old sax and said, oh, here's a saxophone for you. <laughs> but if you choose to play trumpet, and he pulled out a beautiful brand new cornet. So I mean, what choice did I have? Of course I was going to take the new one. Our sister played saxophone. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and at what age did you decide that you were going to go into the family business? At what age did you say, okay, we're going to go into instrument manufacturing when we get, when we get older? I think I knew... As long as yeah. I can remember, I don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, you all little boys have. Oh, I want to be a fireman, or I want to yeah. be go yeah, join the military, yeah. or be a police officer. Yeah. But I knew I would say like second, third grade, what yeah. I wanted to do. When when I was a kid, until the age of probably eight or nine, we actually lived right across the street from the factory, okay. and I would get off the school bus and either go one direction and go home or go the other direction and come and sit in the office. And yeah. So most days I would just come and sit in the yeah. office. I mean, when we were having a beer last night, I mean, you jokingly used the word nepotism. <laughs> I mean, actually, actually, I don't have anything against that, to be honest. But then I did work in Vienna for 12 years. <laughs> but, but, you know, I mean, in Vienna they'll say, oh, it's, you know, father to son to whatever. But, you know, if a kid grows up listening to the Vienna Philharmonic mm. from the age of zero, and hearing this wonderful music, they're going to get the style sort of entrenched into them. You know, and with you guys are immersed in it from, mm-hmm. you know, zeros to how everything works. Your, your mind, as a kid, is already working on instrument design, mm-hmm. so it's a huge advantage. You yeah. know, it's That's I always joke and say I'm a proud product of nepotism, yeah. generational nepotism, yeah. and a proud product of, or proudly a, a long line of college dropouts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our dad, he didn't graduate college, right? No. No. And you both, you both have young families. Have any of your kids expressed an interest in... Yeah, my son, Tobias, is, yeah. he's already talking. He wants to go make trumpets with Dad. And how old is he now? Five. Wow. So, <laughs> and I, have, I have an eight-year-old daughter that loves coming here and a six-year-old son. That, In fact, this morning, the eight-year-old daughter that went to the brewery with us last night yeah. was asking if she could skip school today to come hang out here with you. Yeah. And she said something along the lines of, well... I hope he's still there when I'm working at the Getson. Mm. And then my six-year-old son started crying because, well, I want to work there, too. She can't t- be the only one. That I said, look, you can both work there. It's fine. Yeah. Did you tell her that we just agreed a contract that meant that I actually, yeah. actually yeah. I didn't. I'll have to tell her that when we get home, yeah. yeah. Great. Now, tell us about, and this is going to be the interesting one, I think, for trombone players, because there's a big misconception about the two marks, about Getson and Edward. So mm-hmm. could you tell us, please, who Edward Getson was? Okay, first, let me, a, a little bit of the history. So Allied Music was up and running. The Getson Company was owned by 
Harold Knowlton. The two were separate. Harold Knowlton ended up selling the Getson Company to a man named Charles Andrews. Allied Music had grown. There was a repair school here. We were teaching people from all over the world how to fix instruments, mm-hmm. bringing instruments in. And at some point, decided, okay, let's start producing instruments. And it, that started with the Canadian Brass. We made a line of instruments for them. And at some point, Ed Fair, who invented the Thayer valve, came to us and said, hey, I came up with this great valve for trombones. Are you interested? Sure. So we started, we were the only ones that had a license to use his patent and make their valves. And it the name of the engine, we couldn't call it Getson because we didn't own, the family didn't own the Getson company at that point. Mm-hmm. So they named it Edward's Trumpet. It just so happens our uncle was also Edward Getson. Yeah. And so a lot of people think it's was named after him. I really, it was named after Ed Thayer, Thayer. who invented ah, the van. I didn't know that. That's really interesting. That was probably, that was in 1989. Two years later, the Getson Company, owned by Charles Andrews, ran into financial trouble. They declared bankruptcy, and our uncle Ed and our father Tom was able to buy the Getson Company back into the yeah. family yeah. and then melded Allied Music and Getson together. An interesting thing there, too, is Vito Pescucci, who owned LeBlanc and Martin, he was actually trying to buy the Getson company wow. out, of the, out of bankruptcy as well. And so a judge actually decided, hey, it'd be best if yeah. the Getson family owned the Getson company again. Yeah, there were the same offers to buy it out, and so it came down to basically, well, where should it go? The price yeah. is the same. Yeah. Um, that's a funny going back to you know how long did I want to work. I always told people when they asked me what I want to be when I wanted to grow, when I grew up was I want to buy back the Getson Company. Wow, and then was it was ch- that was a childhood ambition. Yeah, because I mean everybody in town here when we went to, when I was in second grade, my second grade teacher knew the Getson Company. A lot of yeah. people worked there, yeah. and people would always ask, "Oh, you know, does your family own the company?" And be like, "No, it's yeah. no." Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of it was almost like, "Well, I'm gonna get we're gonna get that back." And then it just so happened our dad and our uncle beat us to it. Um, so yeah, after they, they bought the Getson Company and brought Allied Music and them together, they, they obviously kept the Edwards line, didn't want to name it Getson. At that point, the Getson Company didn't have a very good reputation. There'd been a lot, big decline in quality. Mm -hmm. And so we operated basically everything, everything folded into the Getson Company. Allied Music became a subsidiary. Edwards became really just a line underneath yeah. of Getson. For, I want to say it was four or five years, we continued with Allied Music and Getson, so repair and production. Mm-hmm. And then it got to the point the demands for space and resources and production was so high, we had to discontinue the repair part altogether. And at that point, it was, look, Edwards is rolling along yeah. really well. We're selling it direct. Yeah. It was really getting a big head of steam. Why change it? Yeah. We're not going to drop it and... And where are the parts for Edward's trombones made? In, in the, the Getson, Getson factory. Yeah. They're you. all made by the same people right next to each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, how many people actually work for, how many employees do you have in the factory? Uh, I think we're at 78 right mm-hmm. now. 78, wow, that's getting a bit bigger, isn't it? That's, that's growing a little bit. Yeah, it, it's, I think at our highest we were up to... 116 or 117 wow. and that was right around the 2001 economic downturn yeah so we had a, of them. yeah we had to pair back a little bit from there and then with the at that point our bread and butter was still volume wise was still student line instruments yeah 
with the influx of imports, the domestic production of student instruments has really yeah. dropped off yeah. just purely on an economic scale. Yeah. And so I don't ever see us getting back to the point of that, that no. ma needing that many people. What I always like when I come here is to see the pride that the employees have, not only in their product, but in their ability. Hmm. I see people who are very proud of, of, the, of what they know they can do. And it always, it's, I, what really impressed me a couple of years ago, I was, um, I was in Piggly Wiggly's, hmm. which is a local grocery store. And this guy who I didn't know came up to me and said, I was so happy your student won that competition in Munich. And I thought, what a wonderful way to, to hmm. you know, to, to, to be associated with a company, you know? And, uh, and you guys have, you've, come on, be honest, have you ever thought of selling up? No. 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 I can't do anything else. I no. don't have. It's in your blood. <laughs> yeah. I, a, you've I, got I, valve oil coursing through <laughs> your yeah. veins. I was just talking to um, a couple of friends on, on Facebook that are also involved in the industry. And um, I said if, the, if it came to that, I would rather just close the doors and destroy all the tooling and stuff rather than have somebody say, oh, well, we bought Getson's tooling and now we're making these parts just like they did because it's not, you know, yeah. it's not feasible. I mean, I should point out right now that I'm sitting across the table from um, um, were they to sell their company. I'm, I'm sitting across the table from two substantial millionaires. You'd never know it mm. to talk to them and you'd never know it to look at them. Um, and they're I both, they're both very <laughs> uncomfortable at what I've just said. Um, and we'll cut this out if they like. But, but you would never know. They're, they're two very down-to-earth people who believe in their product and, and are running a family business. You can feel the tradition and the responsibility. I can, I can feel the heritage that you have behind mm. you. Like I, like I said to you the other day, you know, if you were to ever to sell this, you, at three o'clock in the morning, your great grandfather would be standing at the end of your bed. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think there'd be some, <laughs> some angry people at the pearly gates waiting yeah, for us. Yeah, to... yeah, yeah for sure. Well, and we had talked a little bit yesterday how, <clears throat> as a kid, you always, you know, oh, I, want, I can't wait to own that company someday. And um, then Brett and I buy it, and it's, oh, I have to make sure I don't screw this up so my son can buy it. Yeah. Like, it, it, it shifts just like that. Um, I think a big part of that is, like, our dad's attitude towards money and, and the company name and stuff. It was never about, hey, make a whole pot load of money. Mm -hmm. That was never right. what he was about. Yeah, it's, some, it's bigger than that. Yeah. yeah. And, like, him, because uh, we had, you know, people telling us and good examples of companies just importing horns with their name on them making a pile of money and he resisted that mm -hmm. because it's not that wouldn't be a getson mm -hmm. you know yeah um i think that's something some people lose sight of is there's still getsons alive yeah you know yeah. and how incredibly insulting that would be to be like oh just put your name on something well if we didn't make it how can i yeah. i can't stand behind that yeah. so yeah. now what are your individual roles within the company so to to break the family tradition of brothers fighting you must have, <laughs> have to have a clear delineation oh no they're still fighting it's, <laughs> it's been pretty yeah, good the last few years uh i'm in charge more of the sales marketing that side of thing yeah. uh adam is more in charge of the production and r d right and then we both tiptoe into each other's area it was very smart when when our father sold the company to us when it was him and his brother it was a 50 50 split and so if there was ever a disagreement nothing got done right so he was very smart and 
did it a 49 and a half 49 and a half and he kept one percent mm. okay. he was a tiebreaker vote right okay we've never in the not well well we just passed our seventh year uh nice. never in the seven years have we had to pull that tiebreaker right. vote I, there's I been think a close few times. i think real close once yeah, yeah. and there's been a lot of yeah. yelling yeah <laughs> well and it's funny too because it'll be you know brett and i know each other as well as any two people could know each other grew up together yeah. and stuff and there's how old are you? Seven years older? Seven years older. And so, um, you know, as brothers, you always kind of size each other up. And then one day it gets to the point of mutually assured destruction if you go at it. And <laughs> yes. it's like, yeah, okay, now yeah, we can't yeah. do that yeah, anymore. Yeah. But, you know, that first year, there's more kind of figuring. And then after a while, it's like, look, neither one of us is going to try to screw the other one. Yeah. And so then, you know, we'll throw an idea out. Oh, I don't like that. And it's, yeah. a re- it's so reflexive. But then you walk away from it and you think about it for a while and then you both come back and you both kind of, you know, like the deluxe line. That was originally an idea for, I think, the 75th anniversary. Yeah. But not as a line, just as like a trophy horn, just to yeah. go show off. Yeah. Um, and we had very differing opinions on even pursuing something like that. But eventually we got to where we were both really happy with it. Yeah, I think that's a good thing because it's, uh, well, here's my idea. Nope, that's terrible. Yeah. That's never, yeah. it's <laughs> yeah. always, uh, that's yeah. terrible. But what if we did, yeah. and then it'll be, oh, yeah, and then we could, yeah. and then maybe that. And so yeah. it's nice to have yeah. that to bounce off. And, you know, the going back to what Adam said about, okay, once we own it, then it was, oh, man, I can't screw this up. I said this last night to you. Probably one of the most terrifying moments of my life was the first day I sat down behind the desk in the big office mm-hmm. and then when thought to myself oh shit i don't know what i'm doing this mm-hmm. what was i thinking because yeah. it was a lot different you know i've worked for the company either allied supply allied music or getson since i was 11 years old yeah. from every school break every summer break everything to learn because our dad was very big on the you can't tell someone to do a job that you don't know how to do yourself mm-hmm. yeah. so between the two of us we've done almost every job in the factory right. I'd like to say between the two of us, we could build a trumpet or a trombone, but I don't know how good it would be <laughs> if we did all the work on it. Uh, so there was always that, the confidence of that, but with the security blanket of any idea I thought of or a direction I thought that the company should go, I always had to go to my dad and bounce it off of him. Yeah. Knowing that if it was a terrible idea, he would be more than willing to tell me it was a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. Once we were in charge, it was, I don't have that yeah, person yeah. anymore. But does he... What what kind of a what kind of a, a a guy in the background is he? Is he in the back or does he come in and look at what you're doing? He's now, with what you're doing. No. Oh, he doesn't. No. For the first, I would say, ten months after he sold us the company, he never stepped foot in the factory. Wow. He moved his office to Allied Supply, our sister company next door that does tools and parts, and never came over here. That's wonderful. And then after that, then he would come over, and he's still now he works two maybe three hours a day mm-hmm. comes in and just mm-hmm. chat and then at allied supply, yeah, at allied supply. and then every once in a while he'll come over here and just pop around and say hi to everyone yeah mm-hmm. he's all he checks in with us but it's never uh you should do this and you need yeah. to do that oh, it's more that's, of that's a really hey it's nice. yours now you yeah. figure it out wow fantastic and adam you're quite in, involved in your hobby is trumpet design as well as your job isn't it mm-hmm. you know it's you've got a lot of interest in that what philosophy are you going down? What lines are you going down? What are you trying to make it? First off, I do all the design stuff with, uh, especially trumpets, with Jim Stella, mm-hmm. who 
was has been in the industry forever. Yeah. Um, so how that'll work, you know, Jim and I have a theology of, of process, not design. Yeah. So it's the way we go about setting up a design, evaluating what we've done, getting feedback that steers the, the design. We don't go, oh, heavy horns are the best or this, yeah. you know, we don't, we don't even bother get into that. And in fact, a lot of the, the new stuff is just, we just do whatever we want, yeah. you know, make it work. Yeah. Um, the X13, probably the horn that we're most proud of so far, um, that was a ground up build and uh, it was to get Paul Tynan and Edwards artists off of old Gen X. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had that horn on paper for like a year and a half before we did anything. Yeah. And I'd show Jim some ideas and we'd bounce stuff back and forth and then come back to it in a month or two mm-hmm. months. And so mm-hmm. by the time we finally built it, it was already 85% there. Yeah. And then that's where he comes in, where he, he can get that last you know, 10, 15% out of it. Right. Um, yeah. And then as far as trombones, <laughs> that's me probably not knowing well enough. Uh, I've never played trombone. I've never cared to learn how to play trombone. Um, no but, I can, but I can design. Yeah, I can design. <laughs> in, you any right. But <laughs> I can learn how to play a bloody thing properly. I can design instruments. And it's interesting because Christian, you know, it's very much his realm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's working on a tenor, a new ten, straight tenor. The first trombone I'll be doing is a, a deluxe. Mm-hmm. straight tenor and so he's already oh man, i can't i got a horn i can that we can uh put up against that yeah, and it's yeah. like oh come on you know it's not really a fair comparison but um i love it i mean it's it people think especially players think about design stuff and they'll oh what about this what about that and it's like i do this for my job yeah and i do this with horns i put my name on yeah and this is what i spend like 70 percent of my waking hours mm-hmm. on um, so it's not a hobby. Yeah. I happen to really enjoy it, but it's something you can't turn off. I'm always no, thinking no. of something, or you learn from previous horns, and yeah. it just keep building. The the unique approach that Jim and Adam take to it too isn't what's the politically correct way. You know, a lot of people think, well, that was a good selling trumpet, so I'm going to make a version of that. Right. And then they pigeonhole themselves because yeah. they have to hit yeah. certain specs and benchmarks to yeah. make it like that other one. Yeah. The approach they take is, okay, this is where we want to go, yeah. final product-wise, performance, yeah. and let's just see what we have to do to get there. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. might be the first idea, nope, that was terrible, that was awful, scrap it. This one thing was good, so we'll try that with yeah. this instead. But the people who designed those sort of holy cow instruments, they were not copying anything. Right. They right. went in right. their own direction. So right. if so why why shouldn't that be what we do? You know, right. it's like, okay, like you say, end game, we want this sound, we want this response, we want this type of instrument. How do, what's the journey? Because if you just copy something, you don't understand the process. Right. So and you're not learning anything. anything. Yeah. And there's no true innovation right. then. It's just no. and another in, version of something else. In yeah. some regards, Jim and I are kind of contrarian. Yeah. Um so we are working on the 910 Deluxe C trumpet. And uh, my whole thing with Jim was um, <laughs> every Deluxe horn will have sterling on it somewhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So all the cornets have sterling lead pipes. Yeah. Um, the trombone will have some sterling pieces on it. Mm-hmm. And so we posted pictures of this 910 Deluxe, and there's people, oh, you can't make a C trumpet with a sterling lead pipe. It'll be too bright. 
And my initial reaction wasn't, oh, man, I didn't know I couldn't do that. My initial reaction was, I'm going to cram this great plain sea trumpet down your throat, and it's going to have a sterling lead pipe. You know, um, and it, it, another interesting aside is, you know, people think, oh, copper bell, it's, it's dark. Yeah. Unless it's on a B-flat trumpet, and then yeah. it, a lead horn will have a copper bell. So I like taking stuff that other people have failed at mm-hmm. or couldn't make work, and I like making it work because it's like, look what we did. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of misconceptions about design yeah, and stuff that works and doesn't work. Well, that's a lot of people don't realize instruments are a sum of all parts. They're greater than you sum can't of just take uh, a tight playing horn, make it large horn. Now it's going to play more open no. because right. that's just the valves. And it's the same on trombone. You can't just say, "Well, I want it to have a little more," so I'm going to put a rosebud bell on, and that'll fix all the problems. Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't because every other part of that horn is contributing. Yeah just as much as the bell is so if you change the bell it's not going to be it could be better it could be worse it could be indifferent it may, you, you have to look at everything so to just take one existing trumpet and say put a strong silver lead pipe on it right. yeah that's not going to work no. but if you design it with that intention in mind and manipulate every other component to work well with that, then you, then the results are better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the problems that you guys are facing is that every brass player is an amateur instrument oh, maker. Yeah. They all yeah. know, we all yeah. know how to do it. I mean, I've been involved in instrument design, hands-on now, since 1990. And I've now reached a point where it's just like, no, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'll leave, <laughs> I'll leave someone else to do that. You know, and I, I see these wonderful moments, like last year, Kristen came and did a class for my students in Switzerland on how to choose an instrument. And there was this one guy was saying, you know, my sound's a bit tight, I'd like it to be a bit more open. So he said, okay, look the other way. And Kristen got a screwdriver out and just moved the screw on his water key mm-hmm. and gave it back to him. And he said, is that better? He said, hey, what did you do? I said, and then mm-hmm. they're scratching their head, you know. Yeah. You know, it's, and it, this thing, oh, we've got to have a, a, a red bell on it to get a, you know, you know. Yeah. I, and of course, it's the balance of all of those individual components. That you can't just, if you change one thing, it changes everything, right. you know, as you know. And, uh, I, I really, you know, I hear from my students, it's, it's very sweet sometimes that they think they know what makes a difference in mm-hmm. the trombone. Well, and it's what I, okay, you're a great trombone player. That doesn't necessarily mean you'd be a great trombone designer. Just like someone could be an outstanding race car driver yeah. and they can't go to General Motors and design a car. No. Because no. they don't have an understanding. You, you have an understanding of the whole, yeah. but not every single part that goes into it. Yeah, I mean, I, I was talking yesterday to Zach about, you know, doing fittings for people, whereas you can't listen to the words that are coming out of their no. mouth nope. because they don't really understand what they're looking for or how to get it. You have to listen to their playing and you have to analyze what they're doing and, and try and understand what they need. Well, um, and, and part of it too, the, the terms, and ev- no everybody, in the indus- and everybody in the industry use it, but it's also subjective. Yeah. What does dark mean? Exactly. What does bright mean? What does respond? You know, everybody has... Anyway, we were actually just joking about it the other day. There was a, a thread online, some people asking questions about the Edwards X-13 trumpet. And uh, one guy was asking about an alternate tuning slide for it. And, and one player responded, oh, I tried it and it made it really tight. And the blow real tight, but it made it more responsive. Another guy said, oh, really? I felt it really opened it up and made it feel loose. And it's mm-hmm. like, you guys are experiencing the same thing. 
just describing it in a different way. You see, words are terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we, it's the best we've got. Unfortunately, it's the best form of communication we have, mm-hmm. but they're not very good. Anyone who's been involved in a relationship <laughs> knows that you know they, 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 they don't work a lot of the time where you finish up saying, you, you do not understand what I'm saying. You know? Right. <laughs> I have to keep that in when, when my wife and I got married beforehand, our, we had to go through a... a not counseling, but like a, a marriage class with the pastor before he would marry us. And one of the things he had us watch was a seminar, and the whole thing was men speak into blue microphones and hear with blue headphones, yeah. and women speak into pink microphones. So what a woman says, yeah. in her when it comes out of her mouth, it makes perfect sense to her. But when a man hears it through his ears, it the interpretation could be different. Mm-hmm. And it was all, and at first it was, okay, come on, no, it's not. And then when you actually sit back and think about it, it's like, oh, yeah, you... I said it in a way that I yeah. knew what I yeah, meant, exactly. mm-hmm. but you took it in a way yeah. you the way you would have said it. Yeah. And I, I think you, I think you're, you know that word that description that you used there about you know dark. Everyone says you want a dark sound. What what is what is a dark sound? I mean, Bill. you know what? And you say one person's idea of what a dark sound is completely different to somebody else's. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what, what I wanted to ask you, moving on to a different subject, is even in the time that I've been um, associated with this company now, eight years. The, uh, the business that you're involved in has changed a lot. It's, it's evolving. Ra- evolving is a complimentary term. It's, it's, <laughs> it's changing rapidly. Where do you see it going in five years, 10 years, 20 years, and where do you see your company? Well, like I said, it used to be the bread and butter of this company was, you know, we used to do 15,000 instruments a year. Probably 12,000 of those were student horns. Last year, I think we did total maybe 600 student instruments because that the the market for uh, american made is just right. gone yeah. and so and it's been our our argument for a long time and just trying to get people to buy into on, on our side buy into it of the future of this of our business is not chasing after that low tier mm-hmm. that's already gone it's you know mm-hmm. give it up there's nothing we can't compete on price on yeah. that level of instrument yeah the advantage we have is because we are small. Uh, a lot of people that come here for the first time are amazed at just how small we really are compared to a Yamaha console yeah, or something yeah, like that. Sure, sure. We have the advantage of being flexible and being able to move and make changes to things easy and yeah. to innovate. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, there's a lot of chasing after the volume. Mm-hmm. With the lower price instruments and and ignoring that middle tier, to professional, everybody wants to come out with the best selling low priced instrument because I can sell ten thousand of them. Yeah, and everybody wants to come out with that real high le- what they say is a real high level b- boutique. Yeah, seven thousand dollar tenor trombone. Yeah, it's that middle ground that everybody's kind of forgotten about, and I think the. The deluxe line of instruments that we start came out with. You know, first it was going to be just for our 80th anniversary, yeah. and the response to the first two trumpets, the 900 DLX and 907 DLX, was so positive worldwide. It was okay. Well, then we're just going to keep them. Now we'll make this a permanent line. And mm-hmm. then it was, well, let's keep adding to it. Let's do more. Let's update more, because it, it's hitting an area that everyone else is ignoring and forgetting. Mm-hmm. And th- I think that's a big part of the future for us is that innovation and that willingness to say yeah you know what 
800 DLX, deluxe cornets that we just came out, that's not going to be a billion dollar a year industry. Mm-hmm. But that's something we can be proud of, and mm-hmm. that's that's mm-hmm. our place. While we're still pursuing innovation on the extreme upper end, yeah. and we're just ignoring, just let the bottom be the bottom, yeah. we'll leave that for someone else. Yeah. Because it's just not our, that's not our world anymore. Yeah. And are you finding it easy to recruit people who want to make brass instruments these days? No, no. Okay. It and I mean it's never, <clears throat> it's never been because, um, all the. I'm trying to think if there's not, you know, a machinist for our CNCs. That's kind of a universal thing, mm-hmm. um, but everything else is pretty specialized labor, right. Right. and and most of it is skilled labor. Yeah. You know, we make a new hire in the bell department. Uh, or in the buffing room, or mounter, they might not be a profitable employee for a year. Right. And it'll be three or four years before they know how to do all the stuff that they need to know wow, how to that's do. that's amazing. You know. Yeah. Before they're even good at it. Yeah. That's the thing. We don't have, I always tell people, we don't have any broom pusher jobs. No. And there's no, unless it's someone coming from another instrument manufacturer to work here, there's no other job that can prepare you for what no. what is happening in the factory yeah. here. So it takes a lot of it's a lot of hands-on, a yep. lot of trial and yep. error, a lot, yep. of, and we have a good understanding of that because again we were taught to. We I, when I was taught how to spin bell flares, it was three days before they took away the scrap barrel because it's such a feel. You can, it's not like pushing a button. You can tell someone yep. this is how you do it. Yep. But until you actually get the rhythm and the feel for it mm-hmm. yeah. in the experience, you'll never do it right. So it was one after the other. Nope, that one it went too fast. Tore the brass. Nope, crinkled this one. Not work yeah. hard before I got it done. Yeah. And just threw them away. And then suddenly it clicks. And that's how it is with everyone here. It's such a... Uh, there's such a big learning curve to yeah. it. Yeah. Because it is a crap. I mean, with exception of the CNC's, most of what we do here is the same way it was done 80 years ago when the company was founded. Yeah. There's not, because yeah. automation and robotics and all that, yeah, it makes everything faster, but you lose a lot. Yeah. And mm-hmm. brass instruments are not machines. They're not mechanical. Yeah. There's character there. And now, mm-hmm. the downside is no two are exactly the same. Yeah. But that's also the upside because no two players are exactly the same. Yeah. So that's why it, people like to try multiples and find the one that fits for them. Yeah. Yeah. We always try to get them as close as possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you're dealing with art, really. Yeah. I mean, it's... Yeah. Yeah. I, think, I think this, for me, I think when I come here, this um, pride, like you say, I mean, the enthusiasm with which you guys speak your job at the end of the day it is a job the enthusiasm mm. the love of what you do is the same as when you speak to a top player they're constantly obsessed with what they're doing trying to make looking for 0.1 percent here or there and i see that as it were on the shop floor out there i see that in the factory i see people like i say who are really proud of, of what of what they're doing which i think is and i know adam you're going to work on um having tours of the of the factory for yeah. people to, to come and look and i think it'd be fantastic for people to, to see that mm. um I, I think that's a, a wonderful insight, you know, into the Getson factory and the, the family business. Is there anything you'd like to say? Anything before we, before we pass judgment, <laughs> before we pass sentence? Anything that you think people 
you'd like people to know about what you're doing? No, nah, we should have done this last night at the brewery. While yeah, we, we should have. Years, years, there, was a, a lot, there was a lot more. Um, I would have actually taken a few more bloopers. Out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it would have been more colorful conversation, but probably more entertaining. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, you know, it, there's a, a right way to do something, and then there's a more profitable way to do something. And we're always, you know, you always balance that. Mm -hmm. And our answer has never been, well, let's import or let's cut corners here. It's always been, okay, well, if it takes a little extra time, but it's the right way, that's how we'll do it. You know, that's one thing. We could, we could easily cheapen yeah. and make our costs lower on lower-level instruments. But our pistons, for example, whether it's a $4,200 Edwards X13 trumpet or the $900 490 student trumpet, the pistons are honed and lapped and manufactured the exact same way yeah. here, yeah. here. And labor is our number one cost. Yeah. So if we could shave five or 10 minutes out of a trumpet by not honing or not lapping the pistons, that would be a significant savings on that trumpet. But then we would lose something. And so why, mm -hmm. we don't want to put our name on something. You know, I, we could probably make a uh, student trumpet for a lot less money mm -hmm. and sell it for the same and make a lot more profit but then we're putting something out but that just know. isn't. It, yeah, know. we would know. You would know. And it's frustrating to look at others that, mm. I, I, you know, quote unquote, others that do do that. Yeah. And the acceptance. I don't, I don't know how to way to say this where it doesn't sound insult. The acceptance of that mediocrity yeah. from yeah. other people, where it's, yeah, well, th this is good. I guess this is good. So then this is always good. And not knowing, no, there's a higher standard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it. No. And it's the the worst part about that is it's just done for money. Yeah. yeah. The the cheapest thing in the world is just done for but money. That plays out in everything. Yeah. yeah. In in all areas, you know, and, and also another thing, you guys, you know, you have the res there are eighty families out there who are res you have that responsibility mm -hmm. also on your. Shopping. That's the scariest part yeah. about it. <laughs> you know, there are 80, 80 families out there who who you're you're supporting. And they, they depend on you, you know. So mm -hmm. that's that's it's, it's a lot of weight on your shoulders as well, you know. To Plus, there's also the, you know, if we made a poorer quality, cheaper student instrument, yeah. there's also the weighing on that poor kid that gets that right. horn and expects yeah. it to be something that it's not. We're hampering his future development, and plus, yeah. that's that's very short sighted for the industry as a whole. Because if we're flooding the, if we're putting out there for beginners to start on a subpar instrument, they're never going to stick with it and get to the high school level, the college level, the professional level, because at some point they're going to get frustrated and just give up, and we're going to end up, you know, just for the 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 short term gain. In the long term, we're going to be ruining our customer base yeah. and our reputation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I mean, Kristen Grego said to me right at the beginning, he's because I, I actually gave Kristen some lessons twenty years ago when mm. he was studying trombone. He came to London, and um, he said that he he really believed that if he had 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 the access to the equipment that he now makes. He wouldn't be an instrument designer and maker. He'd be a professional trombonist, mm. and that uh, you know that's really insightful. That the equipment that you make can really make a difference to somebody's life you mm -hmm. know, in that regard. You know, if you play, if you make the right piece of equipment for for a kid at the right age, it's going to start them off right. You right. Know? So it's that's a fantastic thing. That always means a lot to us too when someone 
comes to us or you know, approaches us at a trade show or sends us an email or a letter and just say, hey, I've got this. I absolutely love it. It's great. I've yeah. played yeah. it for this long. Yeah. I've done this with it. Thank you so much. And that, that, it, it's always nice to hear that because, well, we're not arrogant enough to think that, well, it was because of our instrument that you got to the level <laughs> right. that you are. It's still nice to think, hey, well, I had a part in that. That was... Yeah. Yeah, the Getz and Edwards show you talked about, I think we're tentatively planning that for August. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we got, we'll make some more announcements on that yeah. pretty quick, try to okay. get everything nailed down. Anyway, so. guys, thank you very, very much for your time. I'm sure that everyone listening to this has really learned a lot and, and enjoyed it. I've actually, I've enjoyed listening to you and, <laughs> and feeling your passion for what mm. you do. It's... Uh, you know, we, we joke about it, we have a beer, but actually that love of what we do is, yeah. is, is quite unique, I think. Right? So thank you both very, very much indeed. Thanks thank for you. having us. So there you go. I hope you enjoyed that. If there are any issues that you found particularly interesting, don't forget to contact me and always go to uh, ianbowsfield.com for lots more interesting stuff. <laughs> <laughs>